Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Perm. Yes, aka El Judio Marioso. Maravilloso. That wasn't bad, though. Yes, that you wasn't can. Bad. No, you did it fucking awesome the first time. Just do it with me one more time. Maravilloso. Theo, hold on. Before you do it, yeah. Before you do it, like get a little loose. Think about. I know you're married and you're and you love your wife. And this, if she listens to this, this I take a hundred percent responsibility. Think hot, sexy, fiery Latin girl, hundred pa- hundred and five pounds, caboose, hourglass figure, J Lo, but not as overrated because I think J Lo's a little overrated. And then let it go. Close your eyes and say, maravilloso. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. Just we'll look away, Rob. Look look away. Don't put. Marvi- See, I can't do it. Dude. Too much pressure. All right. Marvi- <laughs> I can't do it. The best part is for people, the people at home that didn't see it. He just tried to do this little <laughs> shimmy thing. El Hudio Maravilloso. You know who else shimmies? Fucking awesome, as a matter of fact. Captain Permit. 516-513-8838. If you need plans, you need permits, you need anything permit-related from Elmont to Montauk and everything between high-end, lower-end, commercial, legalizations, interior alterations, you name it, we do it. We got the best team out there. 516-513-8838. Obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. So if you have real estate of any kind, cat pee, worse, commercial property, land, whatever it is. I love it. I'm quick. I'm easy. Everybody in this room knows I'm obviously a good time. I want to buy it. 516-777. Sold. All right. We got my good buddy on the podcast. I fucking love you, dude. Let me tell you something. I like everybody. I fucking love you. Well, it's about fucking time you invited me here, man. Really? I've been, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the call. Do you feel like? Do you feel like not? You feel unloved. I feel a little you, unloved, bro. Do you I feel, feel my boys coming a little through? Unappreciated. I see everybody else. I'm like, what? You know, what? What am I? I'm not a good time. I mean, I can't hang out with Charles. What the hell is going I'm, on? I'm here? trying to think. Like, you know what it is? I guess I we, we used to see each other so much yep. that it was like a it was like a once a week real real life podcast. So it just kind of just it's all good. It's all good. I'm happy to be here, man. So I I love to have you here. You're fucking awesome. You're you're um. Well, you are Rob Manino. Yeah. Rob Manino. That's right. COO of the Coca Group. Those of you who don't know the Coca Group, Coca Group has been around how long? 46 years. 46 years. Started as industrial developers, but now you, along with Deb, originally Jack Kolka, started it. Correct. Who was the head of the industrial development? He was the head of, well, he started the HIA, yes. Hop Industrial Association. Yes, there we go. Uh, he has been quite a figure he fought like all the top municipalities and stuff like he really made a name for himself he's very impactful early on 80s 90s um really really made a good name for himself built 500 buildings 25 million square feet most of the hopog industrial park like the guy was a beast he also um, pioneered on long island construction management versus what was going on before correct correct so but prior to jack everybody was a general contractor right it was like uh quick you give everybody a price yeah explain to people the difference between you guys are construction managers explain to everybody the difference between what a gc is and a construction manager so we do both right but the main difference between the two is as a general contractor you give a lump sum and now you're responsible to get that job done for that lump sum um and it kind of misaligns everybody's interests right that's the way we feel anyway because when you give a lump sum it's our job now to get that done according to the plans Mm -hmm. You know, and, and as a general contractor, you get it done as 
cheaply and quickly and as, as you possibly can. Um, because so, the difference is your spread. Correct. That's how you, that's how you make your money, by getting it done for, for, for less money, right? Yeah. So I guess there's good and bad in that. Like if you're a person that's hiring, you're like, okay, here's my na- maximum price. At the same time, you know the GC is trying to build this thing as cheap as possible because they want to make as much money as they can. Correct. Correct. Now, luckily, we made a name for ourselves. We, you know, whether you hire us as a GC or CM, we're doing the same quality work. But when Jack kind of brought this concept to Long Island, um, what it is is as a construction manager, you get paid a fee. You're almost, you're, you're literally hired as that, like a professional services arm of the company who's building the building. So you come in and you say, I get the same flat fee whether this building costs you X or costs you Y. It's in our best interest and your best interest for us to get this done as quickly and as cheaply as possible. And when we save money, that goes directly back to the customer. So that's the difference between the way a construction manager works and a, and a GC. Okay. Do you feel that, that there is typically a higher quality build that goes along with being construction, with construction management versus a GC? I think that the interests are more aligned. I don't think that it's a higher quality build per se, um, but if you, can, if you can get a job done, the same quality job for less money, that saving goes directly back. Yeah to the person who's cutting the checks. Um, I do think that there's probably a lot more of making the contractors go that extra mile mm-hmm. in a construction management position because we could say, listen, I don't care what it costs you. I don't care what the deal is. Like, you gotta get that done. You're contractually obligated. Whereas if it's a very expensive line item, a GC might go back and say, we need this in a change order. We need this in, you know, we need more money to do it. We need that, whatever. Yeah. Um, as a CM, we kind of, we hold those subs responsible, uh, you know, to, to a higher a higher level. So explain a little bit about like what the environment was when Jack um, opened Kulka and you know, went the construction management route. What else, what, what were the people doing at the time? So, I mean, typically people were coming in, they were, they were making 15, 20, 30% margins on, the, on these projects, and Jack comes in and says, listen, the, the other thing that's that huge in the entire process is, as a construction manager, your risk is lowered, right? So um, we're, we're, we're ultimately advising the customer mm-hmm. on the best route to go, the best people to hire, the best, so we have a little bit less risk because we're not hiring those contact contractors directly. Okay. Um, so because of that, we do it on a lot smaller margins. We don't, we don't have to assume the, hey, listen, all the unexpected. I mean, you know just as well as anybody when you're building shit, so many things happen. So it's, many, yeah. it's just, that's, just the, that's just the reality of it, right? So um, we don't have to assume that risk. So that's going on the customer as well. So we do it for a lot less margins. Um, so when Jack came in and he, and, he, and he introduced this concept, I mean, he just got his first like six months, he had five massive jobs right out of the gate, and then it just kept rolling from there. I mean, he started building 20, 30 buildings a year using wow. this concept because people were just kind of flooding towards him because he was getting really high quality and an affordable price, and people were just flooding. I mean, it was just, it really took off very fast. So, I guess speaking of taking off, so you guys now, um, Devin has since taken over, you're the COO, and you guys are ushering. Uh, Kolka into the you know the next phase of its development, yeah. literally and figuratively. Yeah. So kind of uh, explain what that is like, because it's 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 hard to rebrand. It's really hard to scale. Construction management is a motherfucker, dude. Yeah. Like we, I want to build that out more, especially and especially with what's going on right now between like you know building costs. And I don't know if you feel it because you guys do primarily like really big shit. Like mm-hmm. you're building like firehouses and right. office complexes and like you know fucking Trump Tower and shit. But um, 
it's very hard to get people because people don't want to work because yep. they're getting unemployment. And so, so subcontractors don't have enough people. Material prices are through the roof, which I guess is another benefit. Like if you're a, if you're a GC and you give a, are there steps written into agreements for GCs that if material like goes from three bucks a two by four to six bucks a two by four, the customer eats that? No. Or no? No, typically the, I mean, it all depends on the contract, right? But typically that would fall on the GC. If you're in the middle of a project and pricing goes up, I mean, that's, that's on you. That's on you. I can imagine there's a ton of home builders around the country that pre-sold houses that are getting crushed right now. Yeah. Listen, we have projects that are both ways, right? We have projects that we are general contractors on and we have larger projects that we're CMs on. Um, both ways we're feeling it, right? Both yeah. ways we're feeling it. Because you have to remember, like our reputation's on the line even when we're CMs, right? We don't we don't want to come in over budget. Like that's our whole spiel. Like you, you hire Kalka mm -hmm. because we're going to come in on time yeah. and on budget. Um, so when things happen, it, customers don't want to hear it. Customers, you know, they, don't, they even know that we're going through a worldwide pandemic, right? They don't want to hear they it. Don't that, hear they it. don't want to hear that their construction projects going X amount of dollars over budget. So those prices definitely have hurt us. And getting manpower has been killing us. Getting manpower has been killing us. It's we have, really hard. We have contractors, uh, concrete contractors, masons, that literally are walking away from projects because they couldn't get people to come back to work. They were making more money on unemployment yeah. than if they were coming to work and they literally couldn't get the manpower and they're walking away from massive contracts because they couldn't fulfill the manpower. It's crazy. Which is absolutely insane. Have you been bringing in people? Because I actually started. So I wanted to get more guys because we have staff because that was traditionally how we did it because I'm like, yo, we can't rely on anybody else and we're moving so much product. We need people there all the time. But now they can't do it. And I'm like, I'm going to develop this into more of an internal construction management type of setup where I would rather have, you know, CMs and be subbing out more stuff. Um, I'm having less of a hard time getting subs than I was if I wanted to get like employees, let's say. But it's a freaking, it's a really big problem. Well, you're, you're, you're not feeling it as much because the subs are dealing with all that, right? The, the subs might feel that pain, yeah. but you're passing it off to them. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a real issue, man. It's a real, it's actually getting better now. Unemployment, that whole unemployment thing changed where you're not getting as much money on unemployment as you were, let's say, Two, they're still getting eight hundred bucks a week. Yeah, but it's, it's not eleven $1 hundred bucks yeah, a week. Exactly, exactly. It's got to just go away. <laughs> I totally agree. Fuck. I totally agree. The whole thing's fucking crazy. Um, but I mean, the, that three hundred bucks could make the difference, right? That three hundred bucks could be the you know. Bottom line is, if you're making more money going to work, most people, I like to think at least, are going to get in the car and go to work. Um, some people are still going to say, you know what, screw it, I can make eight hundred bucks as opposed to eleven hundred bucks. I'm sitting home. I'm going to sit home, you know, and I'm going to keep going. Um, or the big thing I see now is they'll take that 800 and then they'll try to work for cash a couple of days yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious to know, like we're feeling it on my end, but again, like we're doing houses, you are doing massive yeah, projects. Listen, so I was curious to know if you're we're feeling building, it. We're building, you know, 40,000 square foot office building, firehouses. We're feeling it. We're feeling yeah. it on massive levels. You know, uh, you get a, you get guys who, you get somebody like a mason or a concrete contractor or anybody for that matter that can't fulfill their contract or walks away from a job, what has happened on multiple projects for us. Luckily, we were, we were able to- That's fucking bananas. It's crazy. Are you bringing, so what I started doing is I um, I started bringing guys from the city. Okay. Like the, when I say the city, I mean like the boroughs. Yeah. Um, because they're not working. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I got this new demo guy. He's freaking great. He's like, I'll come out, no problem. And I asked him like, you have other people? He's like, I don't want to recommend anybody, but I'm going to hit up all my buddies that invest in the city. And I'm going to say, yo, who does your sheetrock? Who does your paint? Who does this? Who does your electric? Who does your plumbing? Whatever. I'm going to call all of them and I'm going to build the team 
so t- the way that I would imagine it, right, is a lot of times you get guys that they own the company, but they could also roll up their sleeves, come on the job site, swing a hammer, run electric, do whatever, because maybe they're smaller crews, right? So you get a lot of that that's better. For us, it doesn't matter you're coming from the city, you're coming from Jersey, you're coming from Long Island. I mean, we have subs that come from all over the place and okay. do work all over the place. They rely on their employees, right? And if yeah. those employees don't want to come to work, there's a problem no matter where you are. I don't care where you're, where no, you're, that's true. I don't care where your office is. And no, you can't that's get true. People to come to work. I was just thinking like since construction in the boroughs is down so Dead. much Dead. that, I mean, you had these people that had massive, massive mm-hmm. crews. Yeah. And even if they, you know, they lost 30% of their crew because they don't feel like coming to work, they still have, you know, a robust staff of people that are ready to go. Yeah. I mean, a lot of our guys execute on Long Island and in the city, mm-hmm. a lot of our subs. So maybe some of those guys are bringing some of their city staff back to Long Island and that's how they're able to do it. Listen, the majority of our guys are still doing what they're supposed to do, right? Okay. The majority of our guys are still doing what they're supposed to do. But when you hear stories of a guy who, listen, I I, I take sympathy to that business owner, right? He, he's losing on a 600,000, 800,000, a million dollar contract that's feeding his family because his employees who he probably treated very well don't come to work. I kind of look at it as, as a business owner. I look at it in the business owner standpoint. And it's like, this sucks. This guy's losing a massive contract that because he can't works. get people to come to work because they're making too much money on it. Employment. That is that's a problem. Insane. But at the same time, and I haven't heard anybody do this. Supposedly, there's if they don't come back, you can report them. If you're yeah. calling them back, and listen, people probably do, right? I don't get that deep into everyone's business, right? People probably do, that and some sucks. some people decide to, some people don't. It's just in general, it's a it's a problem. It's a it, problem. It's a huge fucking problem. You know what I mean? And by then, it could be too late. It could be too late. You know what I mean? They lose. They lose the contract. If you can't supply manpower, right, in our contracts, we can supplement your workforce in 48 hours, right? We have to give you notice. If, if, if I'm at the spot where I need you, right, and, and you're coming on board, and we try to avoid this at all costs, right? But, but if you're at the spot where I need you and, I, and you're holding up my project and you can't provide manpower, you know, we're going to have to do something to keep that job moving along. Speaking of manpower, did you happen to see my story the other day about when I went to see that house that was printed out of concrete? Oh, bro, I did. I did. That how is fucking, sick. How fucking sick is that? That is sick. I was going to ask you about that. that oh, is... you, you want to talk about it an hour later? Yeah, let's do it. I don't care. Oh, no, my boy Sal, Sal Payne came. It's just funny. He tells me the story about how um, he's, 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 uh, he has, has a crime scene cleanup company, but he buys real estate. He invests in real estate. So one day he was having a problem with the municipality, and they, they were giving him shit. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to build a fucking... Um, I'm going to build a, a robot that's going to build houses and you can fight with the robot. He leaves there and he's like, I want to, who, who do you know that builds robots? Starts calling over his friends. He's like, I want a robot that picks up a two by four and does this and that. And then he's like, no, I, I don't. Somebody said, no, I don't, but I know these people that have 3D printers. He's like, what the hell is 3D printer? Shows him the 3D printer. He's like, all right, cool. Call them in here. So the guys come in there. He's like, listen, show me how it works. Okay, great. Listen, I need this 50 feet wide by 20 feet and I need it to spit concrete. And they're like, what? Like it doesn't exist. Blank check. How much? They come back. They're like. It's gonna cost X. Build it. They're like, really? Build it. Today, I was out in Calverton. He built a 1,900 square foot house at a fucking at a concrete with a 3D printed machine and two people. That's fucking crazy. It is going to change That's the crazy. world. Crazy. It is going to. Ch- he called me up. He's like, dude, what do you think I do with this? I'm like, bro, I, there's so many opportunities for you. I don't even know. Like, there's so much shit you could do with this. I'm like, I feel like you almost licensed the technology because there's so much you could do with it. You could never even touch it all. I have so many questions. I started to get, so when I saw it, right? I saw it on your story. I started, I started thinking. I'm surprised you didn't call me. You're I know. Like, what I, the I swear to God, that? at the exact moment, I was like, what the hell is this? Sick. So, so I started thinking about it and like, I was thinking about finishes and I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about electric utility. Like how does it all, like. How does it, it work? Yeah. 
So basically what happens is it's you put an AutoCAD file in there and it just does it. Like yeah. it does it on its own. So what it's doing is when it prints the walls, it's like it's kind of a circle that's hollow. And then it kind of zigzags to fill in. So in the, there's voids. In the voids, you can run electric, plumbing. You spray spray foam into it. Right. It also has this um, instead the, the structure instead of having like rebar, it has this like fiberglass composite mix that's in it, which is stronger than than that. It is. It's fucking nuts. So when you do that, you can just paint it or leave it or finish it, and it's done. If you want, you can put sheetrock up, but it's just for aesthetics. So it's insulation. How does plumbing. it look finished? Like is it smooth? Well, it actually has this kind of cool. Did you see the design? It has this yeah, cool kind of like beaded. Lines or like, yeah, kind of like this brick. So yeah. you could do that, or you could stucco it and paint That's it. Crazy. Or you could put furring strips up and put sheetrock. That's crazy. Up. It is. It would and so it's it's actually carbon negative. So it's carbon neutral the way it is, but they're making it carbon negative because what they're doing is they're going to pull the carbon out of the air at um, concrete plants, and then they're going to infuse it into the concrete that they're that they're printing, <laughs> which is going to which is going to actually strengthen the concrete. That's crazy. So he can build up to 14 feet high right now. The second gen that they're working on now is going to be able to climb itself. How do they move it after it's printed? They just fucking fold it up and put it on a truck. Those concrete walls, though. Oh, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. What do you mean? What? What do you mean? They print the freaking house. They go to the land. They go to wherever it is. Like, they're going to... You live at 123 Main Street. There's no house there. They bring your... They bring the rig there. They set it up. It prints your fucking house and leaves. Huh? My mind's too simple for this. Bro! Explain, explain this. What do you mean it prints your house? Explain it to me. I never... I, it, Have it, you ever seen... Yeah, you never... I've oh, seen on the small... Oh, no, no. It doesn't print walls. It prints the whole freaking house. Holy shit. Have you seen a 3D printer work? Yeah, on a very small scale. Okay, so imagine it's printing like a little gingerbread house, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Imagine it just prints your fucking house. Holy shit. Like, they set the rig up. Two guys set the rig up. A guy sits there, puts it in. Another guy makes sure the concrete mix is going in. And it sits there and prints your freaking house. They fold it up, put it on a truck, and leave. That's crazy. It's the nuttiest thing you've ever seen. That's crazy. So the second gen climbs itself. To, to print on top of itself so it can do like superstructures in the city. It starts, prints the first thing, climbs itself, prints the second level, climbs freaking 200 stories. It'll climb itself. That's nuts. The That's third cool. generation does infrastructure. So it'll lay down roads, build bridges, all kinds of shit. It could just crank out cesspool rings or sewer rings, anything that's concrete. It just sits there 24 hours a day, doesn't get health benefits, doesn't give a shit. So everybody out there that's not fucking working because you want to sit home on your lazy ass, what's coming. don't be pissed off when the robot comes and takes your job. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's bad enough with all the industrial industrialized construction where they're doing it like prefab, right? Where you can literally build these things in, in warehouses. Now it's not, they don't even need the warehouses. So here's that's the crazy. best part. Like on a house, you're looking at about a 50 to 60% cost savings on the house because of this. It's crazy. The right now it'll print a house in 40 man hours, they're looking to get it down to 20. How many have they done? Print hours, print hours. How many have they done? So that was the first, that was the pro, because the building departments don't know what the fuck this yeah. thing is. So that was, they built that prototype so town of Brookhaven and town of Riverhead could come in and inspect it. No plumbing, just structural. Uh, town of Riverhead just gave them the green light and a piece of land. They're going to build a house in Riverhead, soup to nuts, the whole nine, and they're going to give it away. And how someone's going to someone's gonna live in it. How long does it take to build a house? Yeah. It take, for their part, it takes them 40 print hours. So a week you have everything. Then they have a, a truss roof system, blah, blah, blah. So let's say 
three months instead of six months to build the house at a 50 to 60% cost savings. But you still need men to, to put the trusses on, put the roof on. Well, that's put, separate. Yeah, 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 that's separate. So they're, they're printing the house, but as far as that goes, the electric, all that stuff, yeah, yeah. yes. That's crazy. So it's like the next iteration of modular, but so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'll just get better and better. Yeah. The technology just get better and better. He's got the patent on it. The only person to print a, uh, with a fully printed house in the entire country. That's crazy. It is absolutely nuts. Good for him, man. I know, I'm Good pumped up about it. Let's but go. speaking of iterations, so, um, the, or, and the kind of next level of a business, uh, talk a little bit about how you got involved in Kolka, because obviously it was, it was Mr. Jack Kolka Sr. who paved the way, and then Devin came in, and then you and Devin hooked up. How did that happen? So I actually know Kolka for a very long time. Devin and I were not friends, but growing up in Hopog, they were big Hopog, big Hopog guys. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, you know CJ Tiefenworth, by the way? Who? CJ Tiefenworth. It's my girlfriend's brother-in-law. He played hockey. He oh, okay, saw you okay. on. I, he saw, I was on okay, your podcast. Okay. He goes, that's Rob. That's my yeah, fucking yeah, boy. I don't, bro. I don't remember his name, but sorry, I'm sure if sorry, I say, sorry, sorry, CJ. Sorry. sorry, I definitely probably. <laughs> man, I'm terrible. He's this. like, bro, we're fucking boys. I'm sure I am. I'm sure I am. I'm terrible. I don't even, <laughs> sometimes I forget Charles's name, so don't worry about it. That's not true. <laughs> so, uh, and if he does, it's because he thinks my name is handsome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, so um, I know Colka. I know Colka for a very long time. And uh, I just knew the business. My brother, my brother and Devin were friends growing up. They were friendly. So Devin and I knew of each other, but we weren't we weren't good friends. And uh, long story short, I had some other business ventures uh, that I that I happened to get out of. And I came back to not that I was ever I was doing a lot of work in Pittsburgh. I love hearing those stories, bro. Yeah, I was doing a lot of work in Pittsburgh. I was out in Pittsburgh all the time. I came back. I was doing more work on Long Island. And um, Devin had just taken the company over, right? So his dad. Uh, his dad had gotten sick. Devin took the company. But you did or didn't know him at this point? I knew him, but we weren't good friends. Like, it was like kind of like Did a, you go to high school together? He was younger than I was. He was okay. younger than I was. How old so are you? I'm 35. Why, why do you look at me like that? Like, fuck, I'm, fucking I'm, old. Like, I'm an old motherfucker. I'm fucking bro, old, bro. I mean, I'm not as old as you, but I'm old. I mean, you're the old guy in the room, man. When the fuck did that happen? I don't know. But I'm turning 41 next week. Normally, I'm the old guy. I will say one thing: you have a fucking sick head of hair. We always talk about this. It's like it's like right now. It's, it's like thick. a perfect. It's thick. It's, it's like a perfect circle, yeah. like trimmed to perfection. I have no fucking hair, but whatever hair I do have is not gray. Uh, you do have a couple grays squeaking in, and I've been upset about it. I've been side. upset about it. I don't know why you got to bring it up. I'm anyway. sorry, but yeah, That's right. I'll trade. I'll I'm, fucking. I will trade you in a minute. We're getting old. We're getting old. So anyway, I'm 35. Devin's Devin's 30, maybe 31 at this point. So he's younger than I was. But again, we knew of each other. I mean, it's a small town. Everyone knows each other. You know, we we definitely knew of each other, but we weren't close. You know, now now we're boys. Now he's like my brother. You know, but we weren't close at the time. But uh, he had been working on some stuff and. I, uh, it was early on, he was looking for some capital to, to do a development deal. Um, he was working on kind of reinventing the business and kind of how do we transition from Jack Kolka to Devin Kolka. He's a young guy, smart, fucking had a great head on his shoulders. Great head of hair too. Great head of hair, great head of hair. So I, uh, I just started helping him out. I just started doing things with him. I started working with him and before you know it, it's, it's late at night, we're on the phone with each other, we're, we're talking about a deal, we're putting together pitch decks, we're you know working on rebranding, working on this, working on that and I was just kind of helping him through things and uh, he always said you know how, how, how am I going to take care of it don't worry man we'll take care of it don't worry and I just kept on helping him and helping him and doing whatever I can for him and uh, eventually I was, he's like what you know what do you want for this? what do you want to do I was like listen I just we envision a Kalka that can kind of 
take it to the next level. Get We've always done construction. Uh, you've done some development, but we could really take this to the next level, be a full service real estate company that does that kind of a self-feeding entity that does their own developments and feeds all these service lines along the way. I want to help you build this. I want to be your partner. And uh, and listen, he's, he's smart. He, he really considered it hard. You know, he, he asked around. He asked a lot of people about me. Started asking questions, and you know, it was a good fit. It was a really, really good fit. We really complimented each other well. And because partnerships are tough, bro. Partnerships are tough, man. Partnerships are. are I mean, the divorce rate's fifty one percent, and partnerships are. Yeah, probably higher than that. Partnerships are tough. They're partnerships tough. are tough. Uh, we there's a there's a really really strong level of trust there. We we really are like brothers at this point. I mean, there's nothing I wouldn't trust him with. There's nothing he wouldn't trust me with. And and we work really well together. Even when we don't agree, mm-hmm. we could yell at each other. We could say you're wrong, I'm wrong, and that. And at the end of the day, we we just kind of work it all out and we. We figure it out, and he's uh, he's a really good guy to work with, though. He's really he's really he's easy. I mean, I think the the biggest issue with partners, and I and this is why I don't see the issue with the two of you guys is, is you guys are both fucking grinders. Yeah. Like typically in a partnership, you get the one person who's like breaking their ass, and the other person that's like that's not, mm-hmm. and they're just like breeds resentment, and then it just ends up turning into a shit show. You guys are just you're both grinders. Whatever it takes. You know? Whatever it takes. And. Um, you know, you seem to focus more on the operational side. He's out there shaking hands, kissing babies, doing his yep. thing. You know, he's got the relationships. Yep. So uh, it's like a perfect kind of harmonious thing. It's a really, it's a really good fit. It's a really good fit. And he, you know, we push each other, right? He fucking, he works his ass off, man. The kid, the guy works his ass off. He's, uh, it doesn't matter when it is, late at night, Saturday, Sundays, you know, yeah. Sunday, 7 a.m. or Tuesday night at, at 12 o'clock at night. Sometimes we're in do the you, office. Um, do you ever think you're married to your job and you can only really be married to one person? My wife definitely thinks I'm married to my job. <laughs> How does she, and this is, <laughs> actually all this is really for, for my personal benefit, uh, but how do you fucking handle that? <laughs> Does she hate you half the time? Yeah. Yeah, she does. But she's also very understanding. I mean, she gets it. She gets that. Uh, and you have kids. Yeah, I got you three kids. You have three. I got three kids. I, I try to I try to be as understanding as possible. I try to be the first. Listen, I don't miss things like sports, right? Yesterday, yesterday my kid did, uh, he's like obsessed with the American Ninja Warrior thing, right? Like, oh, yeah, 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 So yesterday he did the Ultimate Ninja Warrior in Farmingdale. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was there. Uh, soccer practice, soccer games, hockey practice, hockey games. I coach everything I possibly can. I'm there all the time. But when it comes to work, I mean, again, this goes back to having a really strong business partnership, right? Devin's very understanding of that, right? Because sometimes he's at events every night, you know, doing his thing. But when it comes to dinner, I go home. I'm home for dinner, but then I could go back out after they leave. They go to sleep. Like, and your wife's cool with that. She's cool with she it. She gets it. Sick. She gets it. But like nine o'clock at night. My thing is when I meet people, like I want to meet at nine o'clock at night. Everyone's like, "Oh, let's meet for dinner. Let's meet for drinks. Let's meet for this." I'm like, "Listen, I'm going home. I'm going to do my thing with my kids. Okay. I'll meet you at nine o'clock, though. You know, if you if you want to if you want to meet at nine o'clock and three four nights a week, sometimes I'm in the office nine o'clock at night doing my thing, meeting with people, talking through things, and Devin's understanding of it because. He wants to go home too, right? But he goes home, he comes back. Even Joe, our CFO, I mean, nine o'clock at I night. We, we, yeah, he's fucking Joe's great. He's fucking great. He's another workhorse, man. He's another workhorse. And uh, yeah, we come back and we, we do our thing and we're there from nine. We say we want to get out of there by 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, but sometimes one, two o'clock in the morning, we're still in the office and it happens all the time. How vital is having quality talent in your oh. business and... You know, what are kind of some of the hurdles that you've had trying to get them? And what are some of the creative ways that you've come up with to, to Lauren? Because I know you just did a bunch of hires. You guys yep. are expanding. Yep. You're getting into a bunch of different things, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
business is all about the people, man. All about the people. Well, you can come up with whatever processes, whatever procedures, whatever vision you want. If you don't have the right people to execute, you're, you're fucked, right? So um, we're, we're patient. We're patient. We understand it's a marathon, and we don't get yeah. you know we don't we don't get it too overexcited. Too we we really try to find the right people and be patient enough to find those right people, bro. That like what you just said is fucking massive because it doesn't just. And I think people really need to understand that because it's not just about oh being patient to find the right employees. Patience is everything in oh, business. Totally. It is it is a marathon, like. Um, Adam Holzer was in there yesterday. He's like, bro, like, you know, you should be like doing this and doing that. I'm like, dude, I've, I'm only doing this five and a half years. We, we're, do you see what we're fucking yeah. doing here? Yeah. It's like, you can't just do everything at once. It's like, it's a process. You're learning from shit. You need to like make money to invest it back in the business. Like it just, it takes time. Mm -hmm. And like, and like we have massive visions, right? And like, we know where we want to go. We know where we want to head. I have the whole blueprint. You know, we, we literally spend time architecting our entire business plan and where we're heading and what we're doing. And we always know five steps from now what we're doing, but we don't, we don't get too eager to make that next step. We got to find the right people. The entire business is reliant on the right people. So um, we do whatever we can to try to build a good culture, try to, yeah. try to, try to build an atmosphere that kind of could help people thrive, help people make money. That's the name of the game, right? You can't be too greedy. You got to put your people no. in the place to, to make money, but it, it, you got to find the right talent. It's, Greed ultimately kills everything. Yeah. That's like, that is the one thing I've learned that I've seen from people in the past. And you can't, you can't scale too fast. Cause a lot of times scaling too fast, you know, puts people out of business yeah. also. So you have to make sure that you you have your, your core business, the core business is functioning well, it can function somewhat independently, and then you go to the next thing and consistently build it out. Otherwise, you just do five or six different things, mediocre, and it's a shit show, and you're not making any money doing any of them. And you can't, so it's it's a fine line of, you know, I'm a, I like to plan. Like, I like to, I like to understand where I'm heading. And, and I'm a visionary in the way that I know where I want to be five years, 10 years, like I just know, I see it. I can envision where I want to head and what I want to do. Um, but it's important It's important to plan, but it's also important not to be paralyzed, right? So like you want to take the next steps, you want to take the proper steps forward. But my thing is like, I don't want to take two steps forward to realize I made the wrong two steps. Yeah. And now you're, you have to be set back. So it's a fine line of balancing, making the proper steps forward, taking the time out to plan and, and execute, but also not kind of get paralyzed with perfection. Like a lot of guys I see yeah, like- Yeah, paralysis by now. Yeah. Because it's they, never perfect, bro, yeah, ever. Yeah. Talk to people about how important the visualization aspect is to be successful. I mean, listen, I-, I uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm. People will tell you I'm a visionary in the way that like I I dream big, like I see big things. Um, you got to see the fine details. You got to see how you're gonna get there. But I think that it is massive to think outside the box. I think it's uh, it's really important to get creative in the way that you want to do things that other people aren't doing to set yourself apart. Um, I think that I don't know. I, I feel like. In my case, like I didn't go to college, right? I, I don't come from some family that has a massive real estate background, but I've always been able to think outside the box, always been able to kind of take this and say, yeah, but wait a minute, what if you just do it like this and kind of tweak this model, tweak this business, tweak the, the, the way that you approach something in a way that makes a lot of sense and you can kind of head in a direction that sets yourself apart? I think it's important to dream big, man. I think it's really important. I think people sometimes people hold themselves short and they, they're really, I see more people get in the way of themselves by thinking too small and 
there's so much opportunity out there. You just got to be able to visualize it and kind of put the pieces together and plan. I mean, I'm a dreamer, man. I think big. Bro, I just got a little, I mean, I'm not, you're not my type, but because you're not Latin, but I just got a little, 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 little tingle that shot down. I'm happy about my that. I'm happy about that. I'm happy I, I'm happy I can move you that way. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't a big move because I'm, right, I'm, right, Ju- I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. We don't have. Well, son, that's all it, that's all it takes. But um, so speaking of that and dreaming big, what talk about the, the next iteration of Kolka. You know, we know what you guys began at and now it's the evolution of where you guys are going. Yeah, so we spent, uh, the, the, we spent again, we're patient, right? So we spent the last couple of years of working together, really building a foundation to take Kolka from the 46-year-old construction company that we've been, um, and with, with a mix of development. We've done a lot of development too, but really concentrate more in the future on the development side. Um, our, my, the vision is that we have a machine that we've built, we've architected with, with, that's driven really, it's driven by technology, right? We, every step of the way, we've implemented pieces of technology that communicate together and it's a really, really cool thing that we've built in the way that we could take a property from, hey, this is a good opportunity and we could underwrite it in ways that, that go in steps, right? So we have analysts that could look at, a, look at a job, plug it into tools, decide, yeah, this, is a, this is, makes sense, get it up to the next senior underwriters and they could, they could dive in deeper, really put together a program of a building, move it all the way through to development, to capitalizing the project, development, construction, leasing the property and ultimately managing it. We wanna be the full service, the, the gamut all the way through where we could take a property from concept all the way through to completion, and then manage that building long term, and uh, and it's it's a lot of work, man. It's a it's a lot of work just visualizing that. Um, it's even more important to put the pieces in place, and we have, and and we're starting to build on the the machine that we've built, and uh, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. But it's a lot of fucking work. A lot of fucking work. It's a lot of work, and anybody that thinks it's not, you know, everybody steps into any business, right? Even what you've built here, and they're like, "Oh, look, he puts out a couple of videos on social media," and like, "What? Well, how hard is that?" Like, I could find, you know, I can get a camera, and anything you do is a lot of work. If it wasn't a lot of work, people, everyone would do it, right? Um, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of countless hours, a lot of late nights in the office, a lot of whiteboards and and planning and you know phone calls and discovery and and more planning it's, it's a lot of fucking work but why do you do it i love it man i fucking <laughs> love it i fucking love it i can't even imagine not doing it since uh since i'm a kid man it's just been i've had like this entrepreneurial blood that like i can't kick it's just it, it's in me it is what it is when i was 14, 15 years old. My dad, listen, my dad was an entrepreneur, right? He was, he, it's just, he's this scrapper, this hustler, always was able to put food on the table no matter what. And that kind of got in me and that was instilled in me. What kind of business was he in? He I, was, uh, I had he, the same kind of upbringing. Yeah, he, he listen, he did, uh, he did telecom and he got into IT and he's done some other things and helped me, helped me early on invest in real estate. This, But like, there was just a lot of things that, that he did that. It's just that it, mindset. Like the that mentality. Was, what, that's what you grew up like doesn't, watching. Doesn't matter what he did, well, right? DNA, I yeah, was it doesn't matter so. what he did. The, the the what I got from him was the mentality, yeah. the idea, the, the 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 ability to look at a situation and read between the lines, right? Yeah. Like it was just I could do deals. You know, I don't know, I don't know how else to explain it. Like it was just like that thing where 
I was able to walk into a room with people that were business people and understand and read between the lines and get a deal that works well for everybody and kind of marry it together and get it to the next level and visualize the next step. But when I was like 14, 15 years old, my dad taught me how to run a business. And it's really a cool story. I try to tell everybody. He actually told me, I said, yeah, I want a job. I want this. How can I make money? Blah, blah, blah. And he talked me into buying candy machines, right? And oh, vending machines? Vending machines. Nice. Quarter, put a quarter in, yeah, turn yeah, the wheel, yeah. get a okay. handful of M&Ms, right? And uh, he brought me into into a uh, into a business in Hot Pog, and I don't remember the name of the place that sold these candy machines. And he's like, "Listen, these candy machines sell for let's say two hundred and fifty bucks. If you get fifty of them for less than ten thousand dollars, I'll pay for them right now." So he made me as a fourteen year old kid go into this this room and negotiate with these people and get these candy machines for less than ten thousand dollars. I was able to do it. Took out his credit card, swiped it, and literally, this is the best education anyone could give. Like, I didn't go to college. I didn't do this. This, this is, is awesome. this was my college. This right? is fucking awesome. Right? This is my college. Right. So so he 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 swipes his credit card and we get these candy machines. Now it's my job to go out and talk to the dry cleaner and talk to the pizza place and talk to the auto body shop with the waiting room and say, can you put this here? And the deal was that I was going to pay him back and I was going to donate some of the money to charity. Wow. Your dad's the fucking man. It was fucking awesome. It was great. It's like an education that can never be duplicated. So, but it gets even better, right? So I, I do this and I go around and whatever. We place all these candy machines and then he actually made me keep by hand spreadsheets of Vending machine one, vending machine two, vending machine 50, right? All the way through. And um, wow. and I'd keep, how much money did this make? How much did you collect here? This one, January, February, March. And every month I'd go and collect these quarters. And sometimes it'd be 20 bucks. Sometimes it'd be five bucks. Sometimes it'd be 30, whatever. I'd always collect these quarters and go all the way through. And then at the end, it was, this is how much revenue I generated. This was me paying my, my dad. This was my debt right? This is how much it cost me in product, the cost of goods sold. Yeah. This is how much my profit was and this is my overhead, blah, blah. And I keep my books by hand all the way through to see how much money I made at the end of the year. And it taught me how to run a business. As simple as it was, it taught me how to run a business and the, and the key components of keeping books and understanding it. And like, that was it, man. I was hooked. Bro, your dad's the man. It was fucking great. He's my fucking hero. I've never even met him. He's my fucking yeah, hero. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And then from there, I just had other business, other stupid shit. I had a, a mobile detailing company where I didn't even have a car. I didn't even have a license. Kids older than me would go around and, and, and wash cars for me and this because they would drive my trucks and trailers and wash people's cars and a limo account. And I just always had something, right? And uh, I just kept parlaying that into bigger and better, bigger and better, bigger and better. Had a small construction company, got into oil and gas, flew drones, was, was in all the major oil and gas producers in the country. I was holding conferences for them, teaching them how to fly drones and implement drones into their operation with the FAA. And, and it just always bigger, bigger, bigger. And now I'm playing on the biggest platform in the world, commercial real estate. You know, Fuck, there's, there's nothing better. That is awesome. Yeah. That is fucking awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. <sighs> Fuck, how come I never heard that story? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a, it's a good one. I try to it's I a try really to, good one. I try to tell it, but I'm I'm forever grateful for that and I try to tell as many people as I can. Bro, I graduated from Hofstra. I would say that that experience is more valuable than yeah. bless my parents for paying for for all that, but like than that whole experience. It really, it really is. Wow. It sets the foundation, man. So, uh, I know you guys just had a uh, a sick office renovation. Yep. Yep. Just ushering in new technology. It's just like it's like 
it's like Long Island meets Williamsburg meets construct. It's just, it's a very, very cool setup. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, we love it. You have a, a high tech podcast studio out there, yeah. green screen stuff. You have graffiti on the walls. Everything's like, you can write on all the walls and stuff. It's a very, very cool. You had that custom desk made out of like fucking wrought iron and wood, yep. concrete and yep. shit. Concrete it, and steel. It's, it's like we built the building, but we built the, the reception desk. So was that kind of like the kickoff of, okay, this is the new Kalka, this is what we're doing? So. I guess it was the kickoff to the world. We always knew, you know, we knew for the last couple of years what we were doing, what we were working on. Uh, but we really, we had this vision. We always knew that we were taking it to the next level. And um, we, we took advantage of, of the situation, some people being out of the office, and we, we renovated the entire thing. And we probably weren't supposed to, so I had it. But, but we renovated the entire, uh, the entire office. And we knew we wanted to make it cool. We knew we wanted to make it trendy. We knew we wanted to make it our own, right? Mm-hmm. We're a 46-year-old company for a, and, and built on a guy who his presence was larger than life. You know, Jack, yeah. Jack, I mean, still to this day is a huge personality. He comes into the office and everyone stops and it's like, Jack is in the office, you know? So, uh, so we knew that if we wanted to make it our own, we, you know, we had to do it big and we had to kind of make the office our own, have the environment, have the atmosphere. Uh, we built out that six, the, the podcast studio and, you know, now you're walking through this old office to, and then you get to this state of the art studio and we, we wanted everything to match and we wanted, we wanted to do it big and, and we decided to, uh, it actually started as much more renovation we were just going to do some paint and some flooring and, and i was home one day and devin's like shoot me text he's like i ripped all the wallpaper off the wall across the whole across the whole office and i was like what uh we had a skin coat the whole it was it was quite a renovation but um but we love it we love it it's, it's a really cool atmosphere really cool environment uh again uh, you know as silly as it is helps you attract talent when people want to come to work people like the atmosphere they're in so uh that's a really big thing for us is kind of uh making people want to be there some more time at work than they do at home. You wanna have a place where it's comfortable, cool, relaxing. We have all different spots where people can collaborate, couches, lounges, you know, a little nook area where it's like a booth and you know, just kinda make it as comfortable as we can. I think uh, it came really good, we're happy with it. Talk to me about Kolka Interactive. So Kolka Interactive, uh, Kolka Interactive is is the marketing platform that feeds the machine, right? So we talked about the uh, the machine that we wanna build where we put properties in one end, on the other end, it, you know, kicks out a, a profitable, uh, profitable property. But um, Kolka Interactive was kind of our way of getting into the social media game like you, you know, like you, you do a great job here. You guys are, you know, this guy's unbelievable. The, guy, the amount of content you guys put out. Um, your, your personality, you know, you could be in front of the camera all day and do your thing. It just wasn't, I just never felt like it was my thing to be in a camera, having a guy follow me around all day long. Um, I just, I don't think I can do it quite as well as you do. So, um, so after kicking around and knowing that we wanted to create content, create content, create content, we came up with the concept of Culkin Interactive. And basically it's a way to bring a whole bunch of contributors. One of our most valuable assets is our network, all the people we know but bring all these contributors into one place. Everybody share their knowledge, share their experience, share their stories through articles, video, podcasts, story, whatever. And, um, and we, created, we created this platform that we call Culkin Interactive. We have almost 70 contributors at this point that are contributing on a regular basis. You're one of them. Yep. Check out the Handsome Home Buyer podcast on Culkin Interactive. But, uh, but yeah, it was, just, it was just a concept to kind of say, how could we make, a, make an impact? How could we kind of blow this thing out of the water without spending as much time as you guys spend uh, creating content? Although we spend a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, it's a lot it, of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, we just did it in a different way and we're happy with it. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, well, I guess there's two points. So A, selflessly giving value to other people. Totally. 
which is massive. And then just the collaboration in general, like I try to collaborate all the time and it's kind of like, you know, technology and podcasts and things like that is like the modern day version of two musicians collaborating on an album that ends up, you know, blowing up bigger yep. than if they were by themselves. Yep. So when that happens, it's just, you know, the opportunity and things that come from it are huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the power of, and you say it all the time, right? You're like one of the biggest advocates for this, but the power of a podcast and the connection you make with somebody oh, yeah. by talking with them for 45 minutes on camera and, you know, behind a microphone is, is massive. Yeah. Um, and we're doing that not only on our own shows, right? We all have our own show. We do our own podcast. Devin has one. I have one. Uh, we also let people come in and kind of do their thing and, and create podcasts and create videos. And we're just kind of like saying, here, use our studio. Do what you got to do. Create content that's valuable to everybody in our community. Teach them how to grow their business. I don't care if it's marketing. I don't care if it's legal, finance, whatever it is. Teach people how to grow their business. Let them come to our platform. Let them be a better business person or a better entrepreneur by learning as much as they can on our platform uh get some exposure for yourself and it's really like a selfless way to give to everybody and at the same time you know gives us some some value too for for our brand exposure yeah so. i mean which is super needed especially like listen obviously there's a big shift with technology and attention and everything right now but the commercial real estate world in general especially on long island mm -hmm. is this ancient ass like 1920s good old boys fucking bullshit mm -hmm. where like nobody wants to share ideas or nobody wants to share listings or information they're fucking hoarding it they have this backwards ass mm -hmm. old school mentality that is actually handicapping all of them everybody but they have no idea they just can't get out of their own way the mold's gonna break the mold's gonna break it yeah. has to right we're gonna break it. it it has to it has to right and as as the younger generation before i refer to us as old guys but now i'm gonna refer to us as the young yeah. guys. yeah right? but as the younger generation as we push up and as we move through and and we're doing more and more and, and the older generation is aging out retiring and doing whatever it, there's gonna be there's we expect it it's not even a thing where like maybe you should do it maybe you shouldn't it's like if you don't you're gonna die you know like you gotta just, do it did everything what i tried to do i ultimately i guess i i didn't i didn't care about it enough compared to the other stuff i was doing to to beat on it but i called up some of the biggest what i felt was younger very successful commercial guys and uh brokers and i was like yo listen i think we should all come together sit at a fucking table i think i did tell you about this sit at a table and everybody should put there we should either if it's not mls or costar or whatever it is build another platform and everybody should put all their uh leasing and sales information out there for everybody else to see and they're like are you fuck yeah we'll do it bro it's fucking cool and then they never they would never want to meet because they're so busy being like oh you know i i, I it's it's the landlord the landlord doesn't want anybody to know dude bullshit yeah listen if 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 northwell health is in a building that they spent 400 grand renovating. They're not gonna go move all their shit for a two bucks a square foot cheaper. Yep. They're not. But you know what's gonna do? If I know, like as a developer or as the community, if I know that this thing rented for 32 bucks a square foot and there was, you know, a five dollar a square foot, you know, TI allowance, I'm gonna be like, oh, I feel comfortable building something up the road. But instead, since there's no data, nobody does, and it's a shit show. And all they do is they have less space to fucking lease, they have less space, they have less places to sell, and and, um, and companies don't have, you know, great spaces to go into. The people. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, t- I have this conversation all the time. We have this conversation all the time. Fucking retarded, these I don't, guys. People don't understand the power in collaborating. You know, everybody gets weird. Like, so whenever you list a property on LoopNet, right? CoStar calls you after and says, oh, did you lease it? How much did you lease it for? And so many guys are just like, oh, I can't tell you. I'm not telling you. The, yeah. You know what they do? When, when you we you grab me a, a tissue? Napkin? When, when we lease a space in our building, you know what we do? Huh. When CoStar calls, they say, I, I rented it for... 14 bucks, 15 bucks a square foot. Yeah. This is the lease. This is how long the term this is. This is the TI. What else do you need, right? Put it on there because I want my neighbors to be able to do better. I want the, I want the market to be able to do better. Yeah, it's and, good for the ecosystem. And like, I just don't, I don't understand what people get out of hoarding It's information. just that whole traditional mentality of, I like I have to keep everything close to the vest, keep a low profile, um, all that stuff. Because if I give it away, I'll lose it to my competition, which is exactly which is not going to happen. And what I told these guys, I said, "Listen, you're not going to see results from this for like. I mean, you'll start to feel it immediately, yeah. But like real results for like three years or so, because that's how long it takes to really pump up the ecosystem. But nobody was into it. And ultimately, I had so much other shit to do that yeah, just course. made more sense to me. It's not worth your time to go try to convince people to help. Yeah. yeah. But but ultimately, you know, that's where this is going to go. And at the end, they're going to be like told you guys like we fucking this is what you should have been doing yeah yeah no i uh i totally agree with the mentality of just kind of collaborating and i i come from the mindset of if you call me to ask me something and i don't tell you how to do it now you're gonna hate me yeah and go figure it out somewhere else yeah i mean you're gonna figure it out like you want to know something you go and google it you're gonna figure it out in a I half mean, hour fucking information age yeah the love if, of God. if i could help you through that and and put good into the world Great, it'll come back to me, you know? I don't know. You're the first. A, and if anybody questioned at the beginning of this podcast why I love this guy so much, you now know if you're <laughs> at this point in the podcast. You're the fucking man. Thank you. I love you even more than I did when you walked in here. I appreciate uh, it. If people are, uh, they want to find you, they want to see what you guys are doing, they want to talk about collaborating in, uh, in any way, shape, or form, whether that's building, Kolka Interactive, putting out good content, how do they find you? Go to the Kolka Group. Uh, Kolka Group on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, also check us out on Colkin Interactive. Same thing, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, go to thecolkagroup.com, colkainteractive.com for our media platform and reach out anytime. Any, anything you ever need, I'm here. We're always, we're always willing to help. Rob is a wealth of information. He also has three sons and he's a one-shot, one-kill kind of guy. So if you want to have boys and you need to know the secret, you call this guy. Construction, baby making, whatever it is, he's got you covered. Obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. So if you have a house that smells like cat pee or a piece of property that you want to sell, I got you covered. 516-777-SOLD. And obviously, if you have permit issues, the captain's always got you covered. 516-513-8838. That's a wrap. Right, huh?